Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wow. Well, I thank you for your testimony, Ewan. You know, for your unwavering faith in the face of affliction and sickness. And we can see the hand of God blossoming you, flourishing you, growing you. And we really trust that, you know, full healing will come one day. Yeah? Let's continue to pray for Ewan. Amen? You know, uh, today, um, I, I come with a heavy heart because uh, even yesterday... Um, while I was preparing for today's message, got to hear of the news of uh, the terrorist attacks on, on Israel. And uh, leaving more than probably 200 dead and about 1,000 injured. And I think the death toll is still, you know, still, still ongoing. And, um, and I just uh, spent the night also praying for today and also... Uh, for Israel, and, and I think I, I know why God, you know, gathered um, many of us to, 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 to come together, you know, for the Feast of the Tabernacles, and, and amongst other things that we prayed for, we prayed for Israel. We prayed for Israel on, on Thursday, um, and, um, and I just sense that it was the wisdom of God that He would convict our hearts, you know, to pray preemptively, to pray in, it, in, in, in advance for this very gruesome uh, terrorist attack on the people of God. And, and today, even as I stand before all of us, you know, even before I begin my message, I just want to say that what the enemy has for evil, God can turn it for good. Amen? What the enemy has meant for evil... God can turn it for good. And, and I look back at the history of Israel. You know, when he, when he went to the, to the land in 1948, when, when uh, the United Nations actually gave them that, you know, that right to, to go back to that land, the right to, to, to regroup themselves as a nation, you know, they only got a very small piece of land, a very small piece. But how did Israel grow to a nation today? In a mere 70 over years, it's a, it's a miracle by itself. And every time, you know why they grew that piece of land? How they grew that piece of land is because of enemy attacks. Four wars in the 1960s, 1970s. That every time the enemy attacks them, they manage to launch a counter-offensive. They manage to to be victorious over the enemy. For an example, in 1967, I believe, the Six-Day War, a coalition of Egypt, Syria, Jordan attacked them. And in six days, in six days, they retook Gaza, they retook the West Bank, they retook Jerusalem, they retook many parts of, of their land. So brothers and sisters, I just want to 
to, to, to just encourage us and to exhort us that even in the midst of calamity, even in the midst of, of disaster, we can trust God because God is faithful. Amen? God is faithful. So, so I just want to, to, to speak that not just over Israel, but over all of us as well. You know, today if the enemy attacks you, God desires you to have victory. Amen. I, 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 I named my, my message today from captivity uh, to conquest. From captivity to conquest. Another, perhaps, uh, uh, translation would be uh, from defeat to victory. From defeat to victory. And, and I'm just tracing the journey that we took as, as a church for the last couple of years, you know, and... and um, and I just give thanks for God's hand of faithfulness. I give thanks for, for God's hand leading us because out of COVID, out of that whole climate of uncertainty, out of that whole climate of um, just being immobilized as a church, and, and it almost seems like we are on that wilderness journey, not knowing when we could regather, even as a congregation. So to see all of us gathered today, you know, one, one and a half years ago, it almost seemed improbable. We don't know when, when we could do that, actually. But, but we see the hand of God leading us out of that wilderness. And, and I still remember on the 9th of January 2022, just last year, something happened in second service. You know, and uh, something totally unscripted, totally led by the Spirit. And I, and I felt really led to, to just apologize to the congregation on behalf of the elders for some of the things in the past. And, and we see a brother that was actually hated for the exit. Uh, he, he wanted, because he, he just had a triple bypass. Wasn't in the best of health conditions. But the, the Holy Spirit prompted him to stay. And he walked down all the way from, from the last row, all the way. And he asked for, Pastor, uh, asked for permission for Pastor Lionel to, to just come up, to accept that apology and to give me a hug. And I just felt that from that time, there was a, a spiritual transaction. And what took place that they really pleased the heart of God and, and there was a spiritual shift. There was a spiritual shift in, in our church and, and the brother released this word to me by the side after the service, and that word is Isaiah 43, verse 19. In fact, uh, verse 18 and 19, God says, See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And we see Isaiah 43, verse 19, that day, you know, um, we see it here displayed on, on the side and we see downstairs as well in the atrium that we know that God is, is doing a new thing and He is making a way in the wilderness. I see that God's hand in the past two years just doing that. Making a way in the wilderness and leading us out of that wilderness and, and into that promised land. And we partnered with God in the process. We resurrected our Wednesday night prayer meeting. 
back in February 2022, as I was recounting God's faithfulness, last year, we did a series, we want to rebuild the altar, rebuild that meeting place with God, rebuild that altar of worship in God's presence. We want to desire to experience God's manifest presence in our midst. After leaders advanced this year, the eldership, SLT, we identified the door of revival. We want to kick down that door of revival. We want to invite God, not just to visit us, but to dwell in our midst. Amen. To dwell in our midst. And God has done it before and He will do it again. And that whole series of seeking the Lord led to the 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. 21 days of prayer and fasting and many hearts in our midst have been revived. Amen? Many hearts in our midst have been revived and we know that God's hand is leading us in this whole process. And the last spiritual activity we did was we gathered together to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles actually reminds us that God desires to dwell with His people. God desires to dwell with His people. And the Israelites, every year, they got to celebrate that, that feast, right? In, in, in booths, they got to build tents, what Pastor Ben shared uh, last weekend. And uh, I was just interviewing someone who has stayed in Israel for many years and he told me that the tent that they built, right? The tents that they built have got to be outdoors. It's got to be outdoors. You know, I, I like to go to Decathlon and sometimes we buy those type of tents for our kids and, you know, in the, the indoor kind, you know, and we put it in the kids' room. You know, not, not that kind of tent, you know, that, that one doesn't count. It has to be outdoors. Why? You've got to see the stars. Because that would remind them of their time in the wilderness. God wants to remind the Israelites, even to today, their time in the wilderness, where God's presence was in the midst of their people. God's presence, when they looked out of that tent, they could see the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And brothers and sisters, it was King David who asked this question. The only person in the history that asked this question, why, why is God living in a tent? You know, why, why does God want to sacrifice himself? Because he's so comfortable, right, in the heavenlies. Why does he want to come down? And to, and King David said that, you know, I'm, I'm living in a, in a palace already. I'm living in, in a house of cedar wood. Why is God still living in a tent? And God's reply was, you know what? I've been living in a tent with my people for so many centuries. My heart is to dwell with them. My heart is to follow them wherever they go, even in the wilderness, even in the place of suffering, in the, even in the place of uncertainty. And God's heart is for His people. God's heart wants to lead His people. And God manifests Himself 
to meet our needs. Why the pillar of cloud by day? Because in the wilderness, it's too hot in the day. So God manifested himself to be that shade, to be that covering for his people. Why pillar of fire by night? Because night in the wilderness is too cold. And God wants to manifest himself to provide that, that warmth, that heat for his people, to keep them warm in, in the night even as they sleep. So brothers and sisters, you know, God is so good to live alive. And, and I see God, God's hand in the past two years taking us slowly out of that wilderness and into his promises, into his promised land. And, and after that seven days, you know, brothers and sisters, I just sense that there is another shift. God is taking us another level higher. There's another shift in the terrain before us. God wants to take us out of slumber into spiritual fervor. Amen? Out of apathy. Out of apathy and into revival. And I trust, and brothers and sisters, I want to, to declare us and we believe it together that there is a bigger move of God ahead for river life. Can I hear an amen? There is a bigger move of God ahead of us. And that's the desire of God here. He wants to, to dwell in our midst. He wants us to, to experience Him in, in powerful ways. Are we ready for that? Are we ready for that? Because God wants to, to, to break into this church in a powerful way. Will we be a good host of His, of his presence? And uh, sorry, I just finished the intro. And in preparing for today, God took me to this book of, of First Samuel. Of this First Samuel, you know. Um, and a lot of people think that it was Samuel who wrote the book of First Samuel. Uh, but actually, Samuel is a very unlikely author because he died in chapter 25. So, you know, um, so theologians, scholars have, have actually... Studied, you know, who wrote the, the book? And, and they come to a few hypotheses. The book would be written after the death of Solomon. So it was written much later in, in Israel's history. And uh, it would definitely have been written after Jeroboam's rebellion and the kingdom of Israel being split into two. After that civil war. And some theologians even postulate that, that it could be even written after the, the Babylonian exile. After the Babylonian exile, after the, the Israelites have been taken captive, after they have been conquered by the enemy, this book is written for the exiles to say that, hey, even though we have been brought so low, even though our homeland is being conquered, there is a way back. There is a way back. God will provide a way back for Israel. And it is an exhortation to the whole nation to follow God. To follow God because God is faithful. God will not abandon us. 70 years of exile and God will bring us back into the land. And it just shows that, you know, it's an encouragement to the Israelites that no matter how low we are at, God can reverse our destiny. God can reverse our fortunes. 
And God has in so many ways and so many times did a spiritual reversal over the nation of Israel. A spiritual reset. And I believe it's a word in season for River Life that God wants to do in us a spiritual reset. I believe it's a word in season for all of us and I would like to encourage us to to ponder on this word. And I'll just invite all of us to stand even as we as we read 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 to verse 13. Shall we read God's word together? Now behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen, and Saul said, What is the matter with the people that they weep? So they reported to him the words of the men of Jabesh, Then the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and he became very angry. He then took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout the territory of Israel by the hand of the messengers, saying, Whoever does not come out after Saul and after Samuel, the same shall be done to his oxen. Then the dread of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out as one person. He counted them in Bezek, and the sons of Israel were 300,000, and the men of Judah, 30,000. They said to the messengers who had come, This is what you shall say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead. Tomorrow by the time the sun is hot, you will be saved. So the messengers went and told the men of Jabesh, and they rejoiced. Then the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out to you, and you may do to us whatever seems good to you. The next morning, Saul put the people in three companies and they came into the midst of the camp at the morning watch and struck and killed the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And those who survived scattered so that no two of them were left together. Then the people said to Samuel, Who is he that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men so that we may put them to death. But Saul said, Not a single person shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has brought about victory in Israel. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Lord, Lord God, Lord, we want to hear what you have to say to your people. So God, I just pray, Lord, that you hide your servant behind the cross this morning. That, Lord, whatever I say, Lord, Father, if it's from men, Lord, Father, will you scatter it to the winds and... Lord, only your word will endure. Only your word will bear fruit. Only your word will encourage people. And only your word will bring us, Lord Father, from captivity to conquest, from defeat to victory. So God, we treasure your word. And Lord, we hearken our ears to your voice this morning. Holy Spirit, deposit your word in our midst. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please have a seat. If I think I have that slide that shows verse 1 to 4. I think we didn't flash it up there. For context, you know, First um, Samuel chapter 9 to 11 talks about the coronation of Saul. And, and you remember in, in, in chapter 9, um, the prophet, sorry, I, I said Saul, right? Yeah. The prophet Samuel actually anointed Saul to be king of Israel. And in chapter 10, we see that uh, Saul was actually chosen by Lot, right, from, from the different tribes of Israel. 
But in order for, for Saul to, to be coronated, in order for Saul to assume his kingship, he has actually got to lead the Israelite into victory. And so, uh, chapter 11 actually details that chapter where Saul led the people of Israel over uh, victorious over the Ammonites. So, so what happened was that, you know, uh, from verse 1 actually, uh, Nahash, right? Nahash, the tormentor, uh, he's the king of the Ammonites, right? Actually came up and, and he besieged uh, Jabesh Gilead. And Jabesh Gilead was actually a tribe, uh, part of the tribe, you know, of Manasseh. It's a town, it's a small town, it's a city that have actually suffered at the hands of their own brothers, the Israelites. And later we'll go into that uh, in, into a bit more. But what happened was, was that because they were besieged, uh, the supply of food, the supply of water was gradually being cut off. And the Ammon, uh, the, the tribe of, of Jabesh Gilead was, was totally helpless uh, to the enemy's attack. They, they almost resigned to their fate. Um, they didn't even cry out to God. That they were stuck in self-pity. They were stuck in their wallowing in their own sorrow. That they even cry out to God, they, but they just almost resigned to their fate and they told the people of, of uh, the, the Ammonites that, you know, we will just send this SOS out and, and they didn't even expect anyone to come to help them. They thought that they had been abandoned by their brothers in Israel. And they surrendered the enemy, surrendered to the enemy. They, they raised the white flag and they said to the Ammonites, you know, we will surrender. We will make a treaty of peace with you. Just have mercy on us. And Nahash said that, yes, we can make that peace treaty, but on one condition, that is, we will gouge out your right eye. Every man of Jabesh will have their right eye gouged out. You know, brothers and sisters, the enemy doesn't play fair. And that was Nahash's scheme to want to oppress, to want to afflict the people of God. And the people of Israel, after word has been sent out to Israel, the people of Israel wept for the predicament of Jabesh Gilead. The people of Israel was in this place of weeping. And brothers and sisters, I would like to take you to this, this particular time in Israel history. And this passage of scripture actually pretty much represented Israel's predicament at that point of time. To recap, Joshua led them into the promised land they were on their whole terrain of conquest. They were actually being victorious after victorious, taking down land after land. You know, and God was enlarging their territory. And there was so, still so much land that was not captured, but Joshua told the Israelites that, you know, after my death, I have allotted you the land. 
go up and conquer and take that land and to chase out all the ungodly inhabitants in the land. But we know what happened. A new generation came up, a new generation that did not know the ways of God, a, di- a new generation that did not know God Himself. And they became complacent. They began to drift. They began to deviate away from God's plans. They, they didn't follow God. And slowly but surely, they drifted into this season of captivity. They began to worship after gods, after other gods. And the Israelites wandered away. In Judges chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, the Israelites wandered away from where they were. So much so that the angel of God had to come up from Gilgal to this place called Bokim. And the angel said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land which I have sown to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And as for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed me. What is this you have done? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they will become as thorns in your sights and their gods will be a snare to you. When the angel of the Lord spoke these words to the sons of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. So they named that place Bokim and there they sacrificed to the Lord. So brothers and sisters, Israel was in that place of weeping. All the way from the book of Judges to where we are at, 1 Samuel 11. That place of weeping. 400 years of spiritual decline. And because Israel deviated from God's plans, because Israel began to follow and to compromise with the people in Canaan, they began to worship their gods. God says that these inhabitants will become a snare to you. They will become like thorns to you. And after 400 years, the nation is still weeping. And we could see that downward spiral in the book of Judges. Can we see that downward spiral? The downward spiral in the book of Judges. Israel disobeyed God. Their rebellion led to their oppression by their enemies. But when they were oppressed, they would cry out to God. Cry out to God, Oh Lord, save us. Oh Lord, deliver us from the enemy. And God will always be faithful. God will always be faithful and they will deliver them. But Israel will fall back into rebellion and disobedience. And this cycle carried out for more than 400 years. They keep repeating this cycle. It's almost that they were stuck in a rut and they needed a deliverance. You know, brothers and sisters, are there negative patterns in our lives? Negative relationship patterns in our lives. Negative uh, communication patterns in our lives. Uh, just in, in, in uh, September, my wife and I, we, we took our kids to Hong Kong Disneyland and, and uh, it was actually a, a trip that was uh, planned for a family trip, you know. But in that whole trip, you know, my, uh, we actually got to uh, have fellowship with a senior pastor of 611 Bread of Life, 
in Hong Kong and, and his beloved wife, they were so kind. We connected with them. Uh, uh, the, the elders, SLT, went on a learning trip uh, to Hong Kong earlier this year. And, and this time we got uh, the opportunity to just spend some time with them, you know, in, in their home. And uh, the pastor's wife, we call her Simo, Shimo in Cantonese, we call her Simo, and she whooped up the, such a nice meal for, 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 for the both of us. And as we talked that night, they were so very open. It became a, a discipleship talk. And 20 years in the Christian faith, the first time we had this kind of talk uh, with, with a, a spiritual mentor, with a spiritual man of God, and, and he began to, to speak into our lives, began to, to, to disciple us. And throughout that night, he just asked us, how is our marriage? You know, and he began to draw things out. You know, my wife was sharing some of the problems in our marriage, some of the difficulties we have in our marriage, you know, and some of the communication patterns that we have in our marriage. And throughout that night, you know, although it was such a wonderful meal, I had no appetite actually. Because I saw Simo shaking her head throughout the night. She was shaking her head throughout the night. You know, and, and, uh, and I was just watching her and uh, I, I just felt, you know, uh, I, 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 you know, I just felt that I had to sink further and further and further, you know, below the, the dinner table. And, uh, and so, um, Charmaine began to share. You know, my wife is here, so we can be very open. You know, because uh, a lot of times where, where Charmaine wanted to bring out issues in our marriage to me, you know, my pride will swell up. You know, my pride. And, and because of my pride, you know, I began to withdraw from her. I began to withdraw. I, I didn't really, you know, connect. I didn't really uh, catch her emotions. I didn't really address some of these things. That, so for many years, she actually felt suppressed in the marriage. She actually felt suppressed in the marriage. And uh, um, so... Uh, Pastor was really good, you know, and he was uh, really, really pastoral, you know, and he told me, you know, it's the same. It's the same for us, you know. I am still not there yet. And he gave me practical handles to really know how to catch Charmaine's emotions, to really know how to say sorry, to really know how to affirm Charmaine, and to really know how to engage her on some of these issues. And uh, on that night, I, I, at the end of the session, I actually thanked Simo. I, I, I told her, thank you for pruning me. And then she burst out laughing. She said, I haven't even started yet, you know. <laughs> well, I haven't even started, feel very pain already. The whole, the whole, you know, because why, you know, that, that this whole superior complex, this whole... Oh, that I'm a godly Christian. This whole facade came crashing down on me that night. And I had to come face to face with my weaknesses in my life. My weaknesses in my marriage. The negative pattern is my life. Negative relationship, negative communication patterns in my life. I got to face it. 
And I tell you, brothers and sisters, it's not a, it's not a nice feeling at all. It's not a nice feeling at all. You know, I got to battle with my, my ego. I got to do battle with, uh, with my, uh, my pride. And, and I took time to, to reflect. I took time to reflect. And uh, um, the church had a, a, a day of atonement um, a session where all the men came together in that church into a time of repentance, into a time of confession. And that night, I joined them online and, and, I, and I was on my knees for two and a half hours. I was on my knees. I was in tears. And I was repenting before the Lord. I was repenting of my pride. I was repenting of my sin. I was repenting of my lack of love for my wife. I was repenting of my orphan spirit. And God, I just felt, did a work, a deeper work in my life. God broke in that night. He did a deeper work in my life. And on the next day, you know, something happened. Uh, during one of those during that date night with my wife, a very romantic venue. I said candlelight dinner, but my wife corrected me. It's not candlelight, no candlelight on, on the table. It was a very romantic venue. And, and, and for the first time, you know, I, I, I listened to my wife, even as she shared some of the past difficulties, some of the past relational and communication patterns and for the first time, I, I caught her emotions. I tried to, to really engage her. And I apologized to her that night. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and my wife was grinning. She let out such a loud smile. You know, that night. And, and we know that something broke through that night. Something broke through that night, you know, and, uh, and my wife was so touched that, you know, she booked, my, we are celebrating my birthday on the 14th of October this year, she booked, you know, for us a stay at Peninsula Hotel, not the Singapore Peninsula, no one goes to that hotel, the one in Hong Kong, my gosh, the Peninsula Hotel in Hong Kong, and we are going there to celebrate my birthday so, you know, brothers and sisters, I'm so blessed. You know, because we were stuck in that negative pattern, but God has taken us out into this cycle of blessing. So you can see, brothers and sisters, the book of Judges, they were in that downward spiral. They were in that negative pattern, that whole cycle. But God wanted to bring them to that cycle of blessing. They wanted to bring them to that cycle of blessing. And, and the sad thing was that in, in, in the book of Judges, we know that in the chapter 21, there was that one-liner that in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And Israel was no longer under the rule and the reign of God. They totally lost it. And they broke out into anarchy, into civil war. If you look at the atrocities that actually took place in, from Judges 19 to 21, 
and I will urge you to go back and read that. You know, the men of Jibir that belongs to the tribe of Benjamin, they raped and killed a Levite's concubine. That was in Judges 19. And, and then the whole of Israel actually gathered together to destroy almost the entire tribe of Benjamin. Almost the entire tribe of Benjamin was wiped out by their fellow brothers. They took the law into their own hands because that's what their eyes saw. And they attacked their, their brothers over this event by a few members of the, the tribe of Benjamin. And, but, then when, but then Israel felt sorry for, for the tribe of Benjamin that had only 400 men left. So what? They went to they went to oppress the tribe of Jabesh Gilead. You know, they went to slaughter the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead. That's why we had this whole bouts of civil war happening. And they took and stole 400 virgins. And they gave these 400 virgins to the tribe of Benjamin to be their, to be their wives. So because of that, Jabesh Gilead was almost wiped out by their own brothers in Israel. They were suffering from woundedness. They were suffering from hurt. They were in the place of defeat. So they had totally no answer to the oppression of the Ammonites when they came to attack them in 1 Samuel 11. But you know what? God had in mind. God had other plans in mind. And that's my point too. God took them to a place of deliverance. God took them to a place of deliverance. God had in mind a reversal of the cycle of sin and oppression. And that's where Saul, who he's a Benjamite himself, he heard the cry of the people and the plight of Jabesh Gilead. He heard the cry, the cry of oppression, the cry of petition. Save us, deliver us, help us. And it was the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit rushed upon Saul, the Bible tells us. And Saul became very angry. The Spirit of God just came upon Saul and he took out a yoke of oxen, a, a yoke of us, and cut that oxen into 12 pieces and delivered them to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he said that, you know, if you don't come out and fight the enemy, and rescue Jabesh, your tribe will become like, like that oxen. And so he mustered the whole of Israel as one people. 330,000 fighting men. And they united as one to deliver Israel from the real enemy, that is the Ammonites. So brothers and sisters, if you do a comparison between Judges 19 to 21, on one hand, and 1 Samuel 11, you can see, you can see how the Lord reversed the curses. Systematically. You could see God's hand and God's intention to deliver the Israelites from the cycle of oppression into the cycle of blessing, into the cycle of deliverance. 
Saul united the whole of Israel and the whole city of Jabesh was delivered by the Israelites from the real enemy, that is the Ammonites. And Saul, the appointed king, was filled by the Spirit to deliver Israel. And he brought about that unity and that victory over the real enemies. You know, brothers and sisters, Israel's breakthrough, the key to their breakthrough was that when they identified the real enemy, when they identified the real enemy, it's not between the tribes of Israel, it's not between, you know, the internal strife, let's put it aside. But it's about unity. It's about coming together to fight the real enemy. Nahash, the Ammonite. The word Nahash, you know what it means? It means serpent. It means serpent. And that serpent that has appeared since the Garden of Eden has been attacking the the nation of Israel. And he is attacking some of us today here. And we need to unite as a church From that place of oppression, from that place of attack, God wants to bring us to the place of deliverance. God wants us to bring us to that place of revival. So, we do not fight, fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against the principalities. We fight against the strongholds. We fight against our ungodly beliefs. We fight against the powers, the rulers of darkness, the spiritual hosts, or wickedness. I just want to read out testimony of this sister who came to our church just one year ago. And her marriage was on the rocks. <clears throat> she came to me. She was on the verge of divorce. But she heard that one testimony in our church online and she she visited our church and she found refuge. She found a hiding place in River Life. And she found a place of restoration. She penned this testimony and I'm going to read it out to all of us to encourage us. She says this, Before coming to River Life last year, my marriage was on the rock. On the verge of divorce, I was so brokenhearted and wondered if divorce was the only way out to freedom from a painful and messy relationship. God, in His mercy, led me to seek healing and counsel in river life. In Malachi 2.6, God hates divorce. If I love God, would I hate what He hates and love what He loves? I was in distress and sought the Lord for His will in my marriage desperately. Each week after service, I would go down to the altar for prayer and God ministers to me. Though I did not share about my situation with the ministry team, the prayers of healing and prophecies ministered to me. One Sunday, Pastor Sarah prayed, It is not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit that God will win the battle. And after that, Pastor Julia saw a vision of God's big fist crushing and she declared breakthrough in Romans 16 verse 20 that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under my feet. Elder Yang used the Rhema word from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to 6 on love is patient and kind. 
Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. God used all these people to minister to me. God speaks to me as I meditated on these verses. God, forgive my sins. Why can't I forgive my husband's wrongdoing? Why do I even keep the record of wrongs? I realize that my enemy isn't my husband, but the spiritual forces that seek to destroy my marriage. I sought the mind of Christ and received healing and direction on how to restore my marriage. The Lord first spoke to me to repent of losing my first love to Him. To apologize to my husband for the breakdown and hurt caused to him. When I heard that, I said, Say sorry to you, Lord. No problem. But to him, no way. How could it be? He is wrong. I won't say sorry first. He ought to be the one. I stopped arguing with God as the Holy Spirit flashed attitudes and hurtful words that I had said to my husband. With God's help, I apologized to him first. His heart turned soft and we started to communicate. He even arranged for marital counselling and we worked together on our marriage. The evil one had used lies to sow discord and mistrust in our marriage. It doesn't help with my unresolved childhood hurt and insecurity that made me a slave to fear. Caught in a web of fear and lies, Satan used this to tear down and nearly stole my marriage. God's perfect love dries out the fear of my life as I surrendered my marriage to Him. He took captive of all deception and bondages and set me free to live in liberty. Today, as I hold my husband's hands and look into his eyes, I truly thank God for His blood that rejoices all records of wrongs in our lives. I might fumble or fall as I am a weak human being in the future, but I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things, present or things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Love conquers all. Sister K, 3rd October 2023. Shall we give the Lord a big hand? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That is our sister's testimony that how the Lord identified for her the real enemy. The real enemy, Satan. And Israel, in 1 Samuel 11, they responded as one to the real enemy. When that happens, they reach that place of deliverance. Okay, and um, my third point, God brought them from that place of deliverance, victory, and blessing to the place of revival. Okay? And in verse 14, Samuel said to the people, Come and let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. Come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. And so the people went to Gilgal and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they also offered sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Brothers and sisters, what's the place, what's the significance of this place called Gilgal? Why go back to Gilgal 
to renew the kingdom. The Hebrew word for renew is to rebuild or to repair. And kingdom actually means the rule and realm. So Israel went back to Gilgal to renew the rule and reign of God. It was a spiritual reset. Because that was the place where they deviated from God's plan. Gilgal was the place where the Israelites set foot in the promised land more than 400 years ago. The first stop in the promised land is Gilgal. It was there at Gilgal that the wilderness journey officially ended for the Israelites. It was at that place where they circumcised themselves, where they gave of themselves to the Lord's plan, where they basically surrendered themselves as a whole new generation to God's purposes for their lives. And Gilgal means rolled away. The Lord told them that day that the reproach of Egypt has been rolled away. What does it mean? The reproach of Egypt, the mindset of Egypt, the slavery mentality, the, the, you know, the, the Israelites left Egypt in the flesh, but it took 40 years for Egypt to leave them. But that day, they gave of themselves as sons of Israel. They inherited their identity as sons and daughters of the Most High. They began to embrace themselves as people of God. And it was at Gilgal where they tasted of the goodness, the promises, and the blessings of the promised land. It was at Gilgal where the manna stopped and the Israelites tasted the first fruits of the land. It was at Gilgal where it served as a military base for the Israelites. It was at that place where they launched out into their northern and southern campaign. It was their home base for them, their home ground. That every time they had a victory, they would go back to Gilgal to regroup, to seek the Lord again, to inquire of the Lord and to relaunch themselves into conquest. Brothers and sisters, as we land today's message, I want to show you a table. God brought Israel back to the place where they had departed. The point of return is actually the point of departure. That is Gilgal. God wanted to shift Israel from captivity into conquest, from slavery into freedom, from orphanhood into sonship, from defeat to victory, from lack to provision, from curses to blessings, from oppression to deliverance, from relying on human strength to supernatural empowerment. And I believe that God is shifting us as a church and the terrain before us is that of the promised land. 
The Lord has great promises for all of us corporately. The Lord has great promises for all of us individually. And I believe that as we come back to that place and we offer ourselves afresh to the Lord, we are entering into this next season together as one. That we are going to see all the promises to our church happen and be fulfilled one by one. Gilgal, the place of revival, the place of conquest, the place of blessing, the place of destiny, the place of victory. And I just want to end with my last slide on, on 1 Samuel. Samuel regathered the Israelites back to Gilgal. And the whole of Israel gathered before the Lord as one with Samuel their prophet and Saul their king. And it is that, that place where Saul was commissioned, Saul was coronated. Saul became king. But more importantly, it was at that place where Samuel had these words to say to the whole of Israel. <clears throat> and Samuel encouraged the Israelites to come back to follow God, to come back to covenantal faithfulness. And I believe that is a word for our church. And these words in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 20 to 25, Do not be afraid, Samuel replied, You have done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Amen. Serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you because they are useless. For the sake of His great name, the Lord will not reject His people because the Lord was pleased to make you His own. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you and I will teach you the way that is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart Consider what great things He has done for you. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish. Even as we invite the worship team to come up, brothers and sisters, we want to enter into a time where we'll take communion together. So let's all close our eyes and bow our heads and let's reflect on these words of Samuel. We're going to open a new series starting from next week. It's about revival. And revival is about reversal. Revival is about spiritual reset. Revival is about spiritual shifts. And God wants us to shift us from that place of weeping to a place of deliverance and to that place of conquest. And we can see that already happening because God has been reviving our hearts since 21 days. And I'm just going to invite the elders to come up together as well, of course, Pastor Ben the five of us, to lead in this time as we stand before you
Because God is arresting our hearts as a church. God is pursuing our hearts. And even as I look into my own life, as I humble myself before God, I see areas of my life that are not aligned to God. I see the pride in my life. I see the self-righteousness in my life. I see the ego. I see the self-pity. I see traits of orphanness that despite having a big God, a lot of times I feel fearful. A lot of times I struggle with negative relational patterns in my life. Now you know what today God is saying do not fear. Come before me in humility. Come before me in humility. And allow me to speak into the areas. Allow my light to shine into the areas that Light has not gone before. So brothers and sisters, we just want to do a prophetic act this morning. As we flow into that time of response, I just want to invite the men in our midst, the brothers in our midst, to come forward and fill the altar. Just enter into a time of confession and repentance before the Lord. Because the Lord wants our hearts, 100% of our hearts. And it starts with the man that as leaders in our households, we want to come before the Lord in humility. To enter into the time of confession and repentance together. So I just want to invite all the brothers to come down, starting with the pastors. Come down with our elements. And, and it's a beautiful time where we can spend that sacred moment with the Lord. And to say to the Lord, we want to come back. We want to come back to covenantal faithfulness. Lord, we want your light to shine into the areas of our hearts. And if the altar is full, we can come down to the side. So, And I thank God that we see the brothers responding because as men... It starts with us. Amen. We are responsible for our families. We are responsible for the households. We are responsible for this church. So, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God for this sacred moment. And I just ask the mics to be passed to the elders as well. Even as we pray one after another, first individually and for this church.
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, Father, for, for River Life. And God, it's such a moving scene, oh God, to see all our men, oh God, rise up. And Lord, it is a prophetic declaration that God, Lord, River Life will arise, oh God. River Life will arise to your call. River Life will arise to your call, oh God. Hallelujah. And so, Lord, I just want to come before you, Lord, and repent, Lord, Father, of that pride, oh God. I want to come before you to repent, oh God, of, of my ego, Lord, of self-righteousness, of self-pity, of my orphanhood, Lord, right now, God. And pray, Lord, Father, have mercy on me that a lot of times, oh God, Lord, we know we serve a big God, but a lot of times I come before you and I lack faith, I lack, and a lot of times I allow my fears to overcome me, oh God. But today you are calling me, Lord Father, back to the place where I need to stand in that position in my life, in my family, in my household, and in river life. And I know that you are calling all men to that position, to be guardians of our families, to be guardians and protectors of our family. And Lord, if we have fallen short of that, God, in any way, Lord, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Because, Lord, a lot of times we don't know what we do, Lord, Father. A lot of times we've caused hurt to our wives, our children, oh God, and me included, oh God. And I just want to represent all of us here, Lord, Father, to say sorry to you, God. And I thank you for my brothers here. That God, your grace is sufficient for us. Your grace is sufficient for us. Lord, your mercy, your mercy, oh Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We receive your mercy and your grace in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Just invite um, Elder Bill to pray and then Pastor Ben and we we'll go this way from the dear Lord from time to time God Lord that's you show us Lord you show me God Lord that's who I really am Lord and God Lord that's uh, so many times Lord that's I stand before the mirror, Lord, as I look into the mirror and see myself, God, Lord. I see how fallen I am, Lord. But the next moment I choose to walk away, God. Father, I just come before you, God, Lord, that's today, Lord. Many areas that I fall short of your glory. Being the head of the household, husband to my wife, father to my children, Lord. But Lord, that's give me the courage not to walk away from this mirror, Lord. And I look intensely 
into it and see, Lord, you have put your spirit in me, God. I shall look to you in every way. First, says, Lord, your son, this is who I am, Lord. And how you made me, Lord. Bless me with a household. Don't let me not turn away from it anymore. But truly to face it squarely, face myself, the fear. Self-centeredness, the pride of men. And God, Lord, that's, let me cry out to you again and again, God, Lord, transform me and change me, refresh me, renew me. Create in me, Lord, a clean heart, Lord. And Lord, let your spirit not depart from me, God. So, Father, I pray also for my fellow brothers here, Lord. Lord, let us see clearly our brokenness, clearly our need of you, God, in this life. So, Lord, let your Spirit fill us. And God, Lord, let us not run away from our shortcomings. Let us once again, Lord, embrace your glory and truly God Lord that's in our lives in our family in the marketplace wherever Lord that's you're calling us to Lord we carry the image of Jesus Christ Lord so Lord forgive us today but at the same time Lord we know Lord full of grace, full of mercy. That's who you are. And we can come back to you again and again, Lord. Take us to the higher place to encounter you all over again, God. So, Lord, let joy once again fill our lives. Let joy once again fill our families. And God, Lord, let us men take up your call, the mantle. So, Lord, I want to thank you for being such a God of grace and mercy. And we can always, always come back to you. And we just want to let you know, God, Lord, want to expose, want to open up our brokenness unto you so Lord you may come through I pray all this in Jesus mighty name Father you remind me of my role as a warrior and protector and you remind us that how you placed us in the garden to protect, to steward. 
And Father, I remember growing up that instead of protecting, I followed the world's idea of a warrior, of violence, of taking advantage of girls. Instead of protecting, defending their honour. And as an adult male, I also remember how I neglect the feelings of others and live an image of a hero that's isolated, that has to portray strength exterior, exterior strength. And as a young man, as an older man, confusion of my role, being influenced by the world and living out the world's idea of male, maleness. So Father, I repent growing up with the wrong idea of manhood. And I pray, Lord, that would you heal my personhood and heal me deep inside that I will reflect the purpose of why you created me and that truly, Lord, I would be the kind of person, the kind of man, the kind of son and brother and husband and father that you have created me to become, a protector and a warrior, but in the light of Jesus, the humble servant. And I pray, Lord, for those of us here who are men, single, those who are attached and those who are married and those who are fathers. And I pray, Lord, that you rebuild and renew the image of manhood. And that I, I pray that we will inhabit a biblical worldview of manhood and we will live that out in our lives. And I bless, Lord, that that may the world rejoice when they see an image of manhood restored, renewed in households, in churches, in businesses and communities, Lord. That there's going to be kindness and safety all over. So we pray for the atmosphere to change, Lord, when our hearts change, transformed by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, firstly, I want to thank you for seeking me out from spiritual darkness in the day of youth into your wonderful light. All my brothers here, I also pray that uh, we are reminded today once again of your goodness, your heart to tabernacle with us. And I pray that Lord Jesus, you were obedient, did not spare your own life to die for us. So we all 
safe from eternal damnation. We are sinners, useless, but Lord, Lord, you prepare the way for us. You know us in the womb of our mom. Every strand of your hair. In our youthful, rebellious day, stubbornness, ignorance, committing follies, pride, fleshy, carnal, didn't even know what holiness and righteousness and your love is. But Lord, today I pray we all stand before you united. One thing to seek restoration, walking deeper with you, knowing who you really, who you really is, God, loving, kind, and wanting us, created us according to your image, so that we men can love others, fellow brothers, those who are married, our wife and our children, those who are to come to be fathers, to step by faith, to say that you want to be a good and faithful husband, loving, kind, ready to seek forgiveness. And also I want to pray for fellow sisters who are here that you will be continual, spontaneous in the spirit to learn to forgive and to will to forgive and to love and to walk in the way of the Lord so that we as a body river life, community that has been called out dotted by the Lord for so many decades so that we could step into the promise of God promises, the word that he has spoken through the prophets and among us that we can become a community with authentic uh, love, living uh, out his will wanting, having the will to do that to live that, in spite of our fallenness, in spite of our weakness and our imperfection, Lord just thankful Lord for giving us this opportunity and us are seeing your pattern of redemption on our life individually as a family unit as a cell group, as a zone, as a church cutting through the different people groups and age group that Lord may your will be done in the days ahead Thank you, Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, with your freedom. Amen. Father Lord, I'm sorry 
that I didn't represent you well, Lord. To my family, to my wife, to my son. daughter-in-law and even even represent you well Lord to the youth to the young people in this church Lord as a father I am supposed to reflect you Lord I'm supposed to reflect your image Lord I have not been diligent Lord in studying your word, Lord. in spending time with you, Lord, in correcting the insufficiency of my heart, of my spirit, man, Lord. Lord, I have failed you in many ways, Lord, in being harsh in my words to my wife children, my son and the young people self-righteousness in self-righteousness please forgive me Lord, of my self-righteousness Lord. please forgive me of my pride Lord. please forgive me of my negligence Lord. please forgive me Lord Taking you for granted, Lord. The Lord taking for granted such an awesome task, Lord, that you have given upon me, Lord. Lord, I feel, Lord. Yet I know, God, how can I represent you, Lord, in my carnality, Lord? How can I represent you, Lord, in my flesh, Lord? I cannot, Lord. So, Lord, I surrender to you once again, Lord. My mind, my heart, my entire personality, Lord. My hands. Come, Lord, Holy Spirit, come take possession of me completely again, Lord. And Father, I also want to say this on behalf of my brothers here Lord I know I'm not the only one who failed you Lord Lord I ask and invite would you come and once again Lord take complete possession of us every inch every nanometer of our heart Lord every chamber of our heart oh Lord we surrender to you again Lord Holy Spirit by faith, Lord, I call upon you right now. Do what you must, Lord. Take us. We surrender our hearts, our being, Lord. We present ourselves again as a living sacrifice Lord, upon the altar. Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, be the Lord of our life again, Lord. Each and every one of us, Lord. Be the Lord of our life, Lord. 
we surrender, Lord, completely, unreservedly, Lord, unashamedly, Lord, to you again, Lord. Would you, Holy Spirit, take us, Lord? See if there be some wicked ways in us, Lord. Expose our sin, Lord, Father. We want to be clean to you, Lord. Every thought, every desire that is unrighteous, oh God, put your spotlight on it, Lord, that we may repent, Lord, that we may come right and we may return to you again, Lord. God, we are inept, Lord. We are incapable. We cannot love you. But Lord, come, Holy Spirit, teach us to love you. Teach us to love you and teach us to love our wives. Teach us to love our children. Teach us to love the young people as our, our very own children. Lord. Help us to be fathers, Lord, of many. Help us to be fathers of this house. Help us to be fathers of nations. Because, Lord, we must represent you. So, God, I ask today, audaciously, Lord, that today will be a turning point for this house, Lord. Father will arise out of this house, Lord. And Lord, each and every one of us, Lord, I ask by faith, Lord, you, you annoy us, you sanctify us, you empower us, you change our heart, Lord. Change our heart. Incline our hearts towards you, Lord. And never to turn back again, Lord. Yes, Lord. Help us to give our hearts completely to you. Surrender it to you. And help us to lead our household, Lord, in the way that it should be led, Lord. Help us not to take lightly, Lord, this honour that you have given us, Lord. Help us to take up this leadership with fear and trembling. That, Lord, you have honoured us with such a role. So God, I ask today, would you burn this into our spirit, man? Would you burn this into our heart? Burn, Father, burn! Burn till it hurts, Lord, so that we will not forget, for we are a forgetful people. I pray today you do something that will change the path of River Life Church for eternity. Today, Lord, would you come, I ask of you, do this mighty miracle in our hearts. Burn our hearts, Lord. Mark our hearts that we will be fathers from now on. Reflecting you, the Holy Father, Lord. I ask this, Lord, for your pleasure. I ask this for your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to the River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or head on over to riverlife.org.sg. God bless and have a great week ahead.